Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history behind it. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is an Indian movie called RRR, which, first of all, is a strange name for a film, I give you that, but it gives me a chance to talk about a very different type of storytelling from a completely different culture, which is going to lead us into some really thorny topics. We're going to be talking about imperialism, and we're going to be talking about racism, but perhaps not quite in the way you think we will. So this one I couldn't wait to talk about, and let's get on with it, shall we? Yes, get on with it! So, RRR, which is a really hard name of anything to, to be said over and over again, is a film that came out in 2022 about... It's, it's basically one of the biggest movies that India has ever produced. It's been a huge hit internationally. And to give you an idea of how big it is, it's available on Netflix, both in Europe and in America right now. You can go and see one of the biggest movies of 2022, and it's only been out for like three, four months, and it's available now to watch at home, obviously with subtitles. <laughs> But interestingly, what Netflix has taught us all is that we can watch lots of really good stuff with subtitles. The biggest thing ever streamed on Netflix, and I did an episode on this, is Squid Game in Korean. So you're going to have to sit there and read the subtitles. As a number of sort of like makers of movies not in the English language have said, it is such a shame that there is this barrier of just the bottom quarter of the screen stopping people from enjoying amazing movies from many different countries. And I have an issue, and I mentioned this ages ago in one of the anime podcasts I've done. They never get very good listener numbers, so I don't do those anymore. But something like a an amazing movie like Akira, I will watch with the dub on, because the whole point of it is how visually pleasing it is. So if I'm just looking at the bottom quarter of the screen, I'm really not soaking it all in. And the dub for Akira is good. Most dubs, just generally, in any kind of format, are poor. It's always better to have the subtitles on. You can actually see the actors emote. There we go. So, why is this thing called such an unwieldy name? Well, there is a reason for this, because going back pre-pandemic, the director, Rajamuli, basically 
said that he was going to work on a project with some of the hottest actors in India. These people are Ram Charan and Rama Rao. So I think you can work out that the project was named after the initials of these three people. So you got Rajamuli, the director, you got Rama Rao, and you got Ram Charan. So and apologies on my pronunciation. I'm doing the best I can. I am not from India. And yeah, I, I'm doing everything I can. I have heard these names referred to. I've heard these people talking about themselves. I'm doing the best I can, and I am not going to put on an accent because oh, that, that, that would just be so bad in so many different ways. So using their three initials, they announced this project. The, the reality is, though, that with the two actors, Rama and Ram, they're both so big, their argument was, we're never going to be in the same movie at the same time. No Indian movie can afford our fees, basically. And then you, know, and you also have one of the hottest directors as well. That's expensive before you've even started filming. More money, more money, more money. But deals were done. Who knows exactly how the economics of all of this worked, but boy, did it work. It is, at the time of recording, the second biggest, highest growing, grossing movie in Indian history, it, domestically in India. And it's also one of the biggest hits internationally of an Indian movie. They've made money, basically. It is always worth remembering that if we're talking about something like Indian productions or Chinese productions, the costs are simply lower than something like Hollywood. So RRR was a marketing campaign, and then they had to fit a movie around that ridiculous title. So what they've done very cleverly is they've picked three words that basically mean the same thing in different languages. I'll be coming on to that in a moment. But in English, RRR stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. Which is very much the kind of emphasis of this movie. Now, the thing is, though, you might not have heard this film, or like me, you first brought its attention by various videos. This has gone really viral online on things like YouTube clips and so on and so forth. So that's how I got introduced to the film. And it works in terms of sort of getting people's attention, having this slightly ridiculous name. But in various different Indian languages, they also make sure the words are similar to like rise, roar, revolt, or like rebellion, that kind of words, but using R sounds as the first letter in each one of those words. Absolute marketing genius. Just a short clip of some of the dancing led to hundreds of millions of downloads on YouTube, and then even you know tens of millions of downloads of people showing you how to do those dance moves as well. Hi, this is Prem Rakshit. I am the choreographer of the song Arana. Thank you for all the great response. Everybody's asking for the hook moment. Here it goes. Come on, guys. Go. One, two, three, and four. It's an absolute phenomenon of 2022. Probably, if you were to summarize in film history, what was 2022 about? You're basically gonna show people Top Gun Maverick. Here we go. In three, two, one. And RRR, because those two films are just massive. Admittedly, bigger hits have happened apart from RRR, but again, it's a very different economy in terms of cinema goers in India. They just don't pay as much as your average European would. So yeah, I mean, there's also Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but interestingly, nobody's talking about that anymore. It's just 
It, it did fine at the box office, don't get me wrong. It, it grossed close to a billion dollars, but it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't really one of the best Marvel movies, so on and so forth. So let's talk about stuff that really is a surprise and is exciting and is vibrant. And I encourage you, if you've got Netflix, let's face it, you can see this thing for free watch it because it's a very different type of movie making to anything that you've seen in Hollywood. And there's a historical reason for this. And the thing is, this film is sort of historical, but, 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 but they're not really interested in the history. Well, they're not interested in the history. And obviously, as always with this format, I'll be telling you about the history later on. But first of all, it is set in the 1920s, and it is worth remembering that at that time, India was part of the British Empire. They had British imperial overlords, white people ruling brown people. That's problematic in the modern world, obviously. So this is the story of two real men. That's all I'm going to say on the real at the moment. One is called Komaram Bhim. And the other one is Aluri Sitram Raju. Now, for the purposes of me getting round all of this, I'm just going to call them Beam and Raju, okay? Just makes my life easier. So these two men are coming from very different places in Indian society. One of them is actually working for the British at the beginning, and he's like a, a British Imperial police officer. But you see him at this kind of riot, this uprising, and... He starts kicking ass and taking names. It is an epic scene where he doesn't just beat down some of these rioters, he destroys the entire crowd. Hundreds of men are thrown hither and thither and smacked on the head with batons and pushed away. This man has almost Hulk-like strength. <laughs> the other one, meanwhile, is Mr. Nature. And you actually see him at one point basically wrestling a tiger. Not quite that extreme, but only a millimeter away from that extreme. So this is the thing about this movie. If you're going to compare it to anything in the West, weirdly, the thing I'm going to compare it to is the Fast and Furious franchise. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. In both these films, if it's gonna be big, it's huge. If it's going to be intense, it's going to be the most intense, super intense thing ever. These men don't become friends. They become blood brothers bound by destiny and the love of each other. These men, just like in Fast and Furious, just, you know, people do things that are physically impossible. You know, they will punch through concrete. That That's Fast and Furious. There's no concrete punching here. But <laughs> some of the other things they do, basically the first time they meet, there is a train crash going on. They have never spoken before, and yet through eye contact and hand gestures, they know how to carry out this most elaborate acrobatics, which is physically impossible, to save each other and to save the train and to just generally be awesome. You have had about 40 minutes of this three hour long movie that's the time when they finally meet. That's the time when they finally join together. And when their hands clasp as they sort of join together, swinging on ropes next to the exploding train, that's when you get the title. Raju! Akhtar! 40 minutes in. This is 
one of the most confident and competent pieces of filmmaking you will see. Yes, Top Gun Maverick makes things super impressive by really, really putting actors into jet fighter planes and throwing them around the place and throwing some Gs on their faces. That's one way of making movies. Or you can just make something which is like a living, breathing fairy tale, which is what RRR has gone for. And make no mistake, if you've seen some slightly shonky Bollywood stuff from the 1970s and you're going, huh, well, that's a bit amateurish. Well, look at British films from the 1970s. They weren't necessarily cutting edge themselves. Everybody moves on. And this is showing you how vibrant Indian cinema is in the current world today. That's not to say all of it's great, but this is some of the best that they've got. And it's a magnificent showcase around the world. So <laughs> this film has got so much in it. It's a buddy kind of comedy and a sort of like a bromance. It's got action all the time. It's got singing and dancing in it because, of course, it's an Indian movie. But, you know, the, the choreography and the dances aren't just isolated. It's not just sort of like now for a random reason they're going to start singing and dancing. No, it is actually integral to the plot. It fits. It's basically like West Side Story. It brings the story along. It tells you more about the characters. It isn't just, if you cut out all the songs, the movie would be lesser for it. The, your understanding of people's motivations would be lesser for it. There's a sort of will they, won't they love story between one of our heroes and the English daughter of the local evil governor. There's a bit of a nod that the English aren't entirely inhuman, but make no mistake about it, this local English governor basically is Darth Vader in furs because he's dressed basically like the Emperor of India, even though he's actually just a, a local governor. But that doesn't matter. Again, historical accuracy. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. In this one, it's, it's Star Wars, you know? I felt a great disturbance in the force where the British Empire is literally the Empire, and we're going to fight against it. We're the plucky underdogs. We're the rebels against the Empire. Which, again, if you're British, a little uncomfortable sitting there watching all this stuff. So I think you can tell that this is, like I say, if you want to start criticizing it, plenty to criticize about. But, you know, how much does a Fast and Furious movie hold up to logic? So if you want to just set your expectations to fantastical, let's not worry too much about the politics and just enjoy an experience. This is something where, again, it's got something similar to Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick is not going to win Oscars for any acting, even though Tom Cruise is very good in it and some of his scenes are very subtle. It's a roller coaster ride. It might win some Oscars for technical achievements and maybe it should. But the point is, it's like, look, we know what we are. We're just going to entertain you. We're just going to put you in a seat and just thrill you for two hours. That's exactly what RRR is doing as well. It's like, look, you know, we're not trying to win best foreign language picture at the Oscars. We are just going to take you on the most remarkable, spectacular, exciting, exhilarating journey for three hours. And let's face it, the world right now could do with a bit of distraction. There is no good news happening in the world right now. So, yeah, I'd like to see something brightly colored and and just fabulous with a with a sort of message of positivity and hope in it. That's a good thing. We can all agree on that. So that, if you like, is the, I'm going to use the word experience 
of RRR. It is quite a remarkable film, and I would love you guys to to check it out. And like I say, if you got Netflix, it costs nothing, and at least watch it up to the credits or up to the opening title. That's still forty minutes in, but hey, you're gonna have a ride, is, is what I'm going to say. So there we go. This is really clever marketing, but actually backed up with really genuinely good filmmaking. And also the the two main stars are top of their game. You know, I'm certainly not an expert on either of their careers, but they are giving it their all. They are completely, I think the term believable is pushing it a little bit. Like I say, some of these people seem to be having superhero strength, but they are totally committed to this. And that needs to be lauded, if you like. But now we're going to segue into a chance for me to talk to you about how important British interactions with Indian cinema are. Obviously, spoiler alert, Indian cinema started while it was still under British rule. But also we're going to be talking about how this evolved, how it's important, how certain things are still there, and also what's going on in RRR in terms of its actual historical validity. Now, during the first half of this recording, I did very carefully avoid the term Bollywood. I used it once in reference to what you might have seen, but I want to explain why. And to do this, we have to go all the way back to 1913, where we basically get the first Indian-made movie, which is called Raja Harishandra. Again, apologies if I've got the pronunciation wrong on that one. This is obviously from 1913, it's in black and white, it is silent, but it is where Indian filmmaking starts. And what we have to understand is for the first 35 years of Indian cinema, it's under the jurisdiction of the British Empire. And the British Empire, Look, if you want to argue that empires are bad, I get it, and and they are, okay? Local people should run their local territories. But the British Empire wasn't as bad as other empires. Don't believe me? Ask people what it was like to be attacked by the Mongol Empire or the Third Reich. Or if you want something contemporary with the British Empire, ask people how it was like under the Japanese in Asia. It wasn't better than being under the British. The British generally, if you think about it, they had the biggest empire the world has ever seen. Where's the biggest palace the world has ever seen? Various empires of India, including the Mughal Empire, they created the Taj Mahal. There is no Taj Mahal built by the British in Britain. During the height of the empire, we got the Victorian era, We've got the creation of basically Balmoral Castle, which is a very modestly sized palace in Scotland, and the other great structural feats of engineering during the Victorian era weren't supremely practical. They were like the Clifton Suspension Bridge, or they were things like the St Pancras Station in London. Or in India, it was setting up the rail network, and indeed there was an imperial palace for the overlords, if you like, but at the same time, that has now been repurposed into the presidential palace in India. So it's still used, and it's basically, it wasn't really a palace, it was always kind of a centre of administration. So the British Empire wasn't just there to just destroy things, but obviously they couldn't allow the locals to just say anything they wanted to. So there was absolutely censorship. 
And what's interesting about this 1913 film, the very first, again, it's called Raja Harishandra, is it's the story of basically a spiritual person who is leading to good governance. It is clearly being influenced by the life of Jesus, which is obviously an external influence on India. But the critical thing is this person was Indian and not British. So basically what it was saying underneath the surface is that maybe Indians should be governing India. But it wasn't said in an overt way, and it therefore got past the censors and was a huge hit. Now, we have had musicals since the time of sound. The very first ever movie which had sound on it is The Jazz Singer. Because let's face it, you can't have silent musicals, can you? That's what they say, but to me, he's an angel. So, while that film... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Has lots of problems with it. The point is, the very first time we used sound, it was to show people singing. And yet one thing we all know about Indian cinema is there's all these elaborate song and dance routines. Why? You know, because not everything in British cinema, American cinema, French cinema is a musical. There are some great ones. I've already mentioned one, West Side Story. Maria, I've just met a girl named Maria. There's a sound of music, singing in the rain. It goes on and on. The Blues Brothers, an unusual musical to be sure, but it is technically a musical. You get the idea. Whereas 
it's almost standard. It's an unusual event for an Indian movie to not have music in it. And the reason for this, again, goes back to those first 35 years of cinema happening whilst it was under British imperial rule. And the reality is that at that time, and, you know, it's still not there yet, literacy rates were low. And therefore, how do you spread an idea? And the easy thing to do is to, to sing it, to hum it, sing a happy tune, humming a catchy tune. I know I've got people in my family who can't speak English, but particularly in the 1980s when I was hanging out with them, they would all know the sort of like the top hits from bands like Duran Duran and stuff like that. Now, interestingly, they couldn't get all the words and they'd sort of sing what it sounded like to them. And obviously you always try and turn it into something that makes more sense to you. And you're sitting there going, no, no, those are the wrong lyrics. But the point is, if it's suddenly a slightly political message or if it's, you know, being a bit subversive, the song is the way to get it out to an illiterate mass. So it was political reasons why you get all this singing in Indian cinema. Now, again, I've been very careful to <laughs> to make sure that I haven't used the word Bollywood. So let's talk about Bollywood now, shall we? So India is massive. Also, the modern India isn't quite India of the past. There was obviously partition. You may or may not know about this. When the British left India, there was this debate beforehand about, well, the Muslims didn't want to be ruled by Hindus, and so maybe we move around. And so countries like Pakistan just never existed before the middle of the 20th century. It was part of India, but it was uh, perhaps a Muslim-majority area. However, what happened in partition is pretty much all the Hindus in various Muslim areas of India moved to one area and all the Muslims in the Hindu majority areas moved to the other areas and then we set up separate countries. Indeed, the Sikhs wanted to have their own country because they're not Hindu and they managed to get done over by all sides. So Sikhs are still absolutely a tiny minority of religious peoples in India. But then Pakistan used to be part of India, now all Muslim, very proudly independent. There have been multiple wars between Pakistan and India. And then on the eastern side, originally called Eastern Pakistan, but now called Bangladesh, again, used to be part of India. Now it's its own Muslim state. So that's all going on at the end of the British rule, the Raj. And now we've got a country that's trying to work out exactly what it's doing. But India, as I said, is massive. It has over 20 formally recognized languages. It has a population of well over a billion people. It's complicated there. It's the world's largest democracy. It produces more films than anywhere else in the world. So there are many things for people to be proud of in India, but it gets complicated. So the center of finance, the center of governance is Delhi, now called New Delhi. OK, one of the things India did was after the British were kicked out, they decided to rename everywhere. And sometimes it's a bit nitpicky. For example, everybody just calls it Delhi. Nobody calls it New Delhi. It's not New York, for example. But in the case of Bombay, that place was founded by the British. It was raised by the British. It was created by the British. There was no Bombay 
let's say, 500 years ago in India. There's a tiny little fishing village on the coast there. So everything there was British, but now proud, independent India, we're going to change it completely arbitrarily to Mumbai. It was never originally called Mumbai. They just decided to change it. Calcutta became Kolkata, so on and so forth. From one perspective, it's a washing away of imperial interference. Fair enough. Another way of looking at it is it's like it's unnecessary nitpicking to just basically say it's changed when it hasn't really. So whereas Delhi was the center for finance and governance, Bombay was the center of arts and cinema. That's why it became known as Bollywood. So technically it should now be Mollywood, but there's already a Mollywood because multiple different areas of India have their own languages and also have their own sort of like different ways of making movies. You know, India is the size of Western Europe and funnily enough, German cinema is different to French cinema and different languages as well. So to try and lump them all together and call them Bollywood would be wrong. And to just show you how things changed, years ago I worked for the British Tourist Board called Visit Britain and I was lucky enough to go on two business trips to India. And I met up with my colleague over there. His name's called Atul. And I, he, he no longer works for Visit Britain, nor do I. But Atul was a lovely, lovely guy. But I always remember when we, we were in Delhi, and obviously he's a local resident there. He kind of showed me around. We had a great time. But then when we had to take the business trip on to Mumbai, when we got out the plane, he said to us, he goes, well, I'm the same as you. I can't understand a word anybody's saying. And, and that's the thing. In, in India, that's just, that's just fine. I mean, India is bigger than America. But if you think about it, how you know, there are cultural differences even in America. You know, how does a New Yorker feel being in Alabama, for example? That would be the same thing with a Delhi person now in Mumbai. So it, I found it really interesting. And actually on that journey, he had a chance, Atul had a chance to catch up with a friend of his who was trying to break into Bollywood. So I actually met somebody who was on the inside of all of this. It was fascinating. And he basically moaned saying, look, American actors, basically all they have to do is act. Whereas the expectations in India is we have to act at least the way that Indians expect people to act. But we also have to sing and dance. That's standard because it's going to appear in the cinema. And also there is a body image that everybody's interested in. Now, you know, we can all talk about how ripped people like Sylvester Stallone or The Rock or Arnold Schwarzenegger got. Come with me if you want to live. But imagine Stallone having to be that fit sing, dance, and act. I mean, it's a tough gig in India, simple as that. And so this guy, I paid attention to his career. I'm not going to na name him as it were. He doesn't seem to have made a breakthrough. My information is, you know, I met him sort of like 15 years ago. He's had his opportunity to break through. He kind of got to the edges of it, but it just never quite sort of seemed to ignite for him. I hope he's doing well overall. But yeah, I mean, it's a tough gig tough gig in LA as well, in, in Hollywood. So you get different Hollywoods depending on where we are. And with RRR, it's actually Tollywood, technically. There are two Tollywoods, but let's not overcomplicate things because it's actually filmed not in Hindi, but in the Telugu language. And Telugu language and area is Tollywood, basically. Jollywood is from Pakistan. There are loads of them. Chahollywood, which is an amazing word anyway. There are loads of them. So yes, in the West, we tend to just lump them all together as Bollywood. That is wrong. 
for many reasons. And look, Bombay, Mumbai was for decades the epicenter. Other places were making movies, but this was clearly the top dog. A bit like Hollywood. Other places in America were making movies, but Hollywood was the epicenter. But particularly in the last sort of like 15, 20 years, there has become more appetite in India to see more of the other stuff. And so now we've got the biggest hit of 2022, which, quite frankly, no Bollywood film's going to be able to break down that, that sheer box office in this year. But it's come from not Bollywood, but Tollywood. Now, the other bit of history I'm going to throw out now is, as I said, you know, so there's always been this feeling of rebellion in Indian cinema from the very beginning about, you know, like, gently pushing against the British. But that only continued. I, I feel obliged to say that if you want to know the key cornerstone film of, you know, what is the Citizen Kane of India? The answer is a 1957 film called Mother India. Now, if you like, this is everything that Westerners find sort of going to roll their eyes about Indian cinema. This is the most melodramatic melodrama you'll ever see. It's about a woman trying to look after her son. Her husband has died. She goes through endless agonizing sort of like traumas, but overcomes all the adversity. This is the critical thing. It's not about how tough life is. It's about getting over those barriers. But to give you an idea, this film was released in 1957. It was still running in sort of special screenings, but it was still running. It's still getting audiences into the 1990s. That's how, I mean, Citizen Kane was a flop when it came out. People will think what I tell them to think. But that is, if you like, if it, I guess if you watch one film that summarizes all of Indian cinema, that's it. But like RRR, there's loads and loads of films which are now overtly saying British rule was bad and we were, you know, bravely resisting them all the way through. One of the biggest hits of the early 2000s, 2001's Lagan. This was a sort of true story about a bunch of local poor Indian farmers who were being mocked by the British imperial overlords. And basically there was a debate about whether they were going to you know, pay tax or whatever. And they were going to declare it all in a game of cricket. Now, you don't get more English than cricket, but ironically, well, in India sort of doesn't like its imperial past. They love cricket. They kept cricket and they are now much better at cricket than, than England is. Although I know occasionally England beats India. But India is the epicenter in terms of money for cricket, for sure. And the most competitive sports match in the world, international in the world, is India-Pakistan. Because both of them almost prey to cricket, and they hate each other's country. So, yeah, lots riding on that one. You cannot get a more Indian film than Lagan because it's got the singing, the dancing, the incredibly heroic Indians versus the evil conniving Brits, and cricket. There we go. Everything's in there. Now, with RRR, it's also sort of, kind of, based on history. Because Rama Rao plays a real person. His name is Komaram Bean, and then Ram Charan, he plays Aluri Sitaram Raju. They are real people who really did rise up against the Brits. But that's it. That's it in terms of facts. Britain ruled India at the time. These two men did resist the British rule. That's it. That's the only historically accurate stuff in it. The two men never met. So, for example, Aluri Raju, he comes from the Adra Pradesh region, that's in southeast India, whereas Komaram Bean, 
he was in the neighbouring state, but I mean, we are talking about massive areas here, of Hyderabad. The other thing is that Raju, he was caught by British Imperial Police Forces and executed in 1924. He was about 26 years old when he was killed. Whereas, with Qumran Beam, he actually started his resistance in 1928, four years after Raju had been executed, and he ended up sort of dying in a gun battle, again with local police forces, in 1940. Now, the thing with this is it gets complicated, and like I say, about racism. So the thing is, these people have been repurposed to push against British imperial rule. Both of these real men really did do that. Although, interestingly, if you're wondering why Raju is sort of like this, almost sort of like holy man in the jungles, it's because the real man was specifically rising up against the Madras Forest Act, which basically restricted the local peoples from like using the local resources of the jungles and forests. So he is sort of seen as almost like a shaman in the movie. But there is some facts that we need to sort of like throw in here, okay? So first of all, when it comes to Aluri Raju, he wasn't just pushing against the British, he wanted independence for the Gond region. This is right in the center of modern-day India. He didn't want India to be India. He wanted Gond to be the kingdom of Gond. And this is the problem we have. In, in modern-day India, there is this very nationalistic, Hindu-centric narrative that's being created. And RRR has got into trouble, particularly in the sort of like the climactic bits where we have one of our heroes dressed basically like a Hindu god, but also in the colours of the this Hindu nationalist party as well, again, sort of fighting all the Brits. Now, everybody in India can agree, we can fight the Brits, that's all fine and great, but there needs to be some context here. First of all, not all of India's history is Hindu. For example, I mentioned the Taj Mahal and the Mughal Empire. That ruled a large chunk of India. Everybody knows the Taj Mahal. That's Muslim. The Mughals were Muslim rulers of India, and the Taj Mahal, if you look closely, it actually has Arab script on it, which are excerpts from the Quran. So it's actually an edifice to Islam, not Hinduism. And there are problems in India about racism against Muslim minorities, Sikh minorities. This has happened at the time of recording a couple of weeks ago. There was some violence against Sikhs in, in India. I mean, famously and sadly, we have Indira Gandhi, the Prime Minister of India, who was shot dead by her Sikh bodyguard. That's wrong. That's terrible. That's a crime. Okay? But does it justify a mass uprising of Hindus against Sikh populations, leading to thousands of dead Sikhs for the crimes that they're Sikh? No. So, you know, this is the thing. In, in Britain and America, we talk about racism. There absolutely is racism and there are problems with that. And we need to have conversations with that. But it sometimes turns into almost like only white people are racist or only people in Britain and America are racist. It's like, no, every country has racism. And going back to the depiction of the British, it's like, you know, this is a cartoony movie. Let's not try and pretend it's about history. But if all Indian cinema goers see is basically British people being evil, being lascivious, or like threatening to burn down villages or to attack their women or something like that. That's not exactly showing Britain in a realistic right. Are there British people like that in history? 
that behave like that in India? Yes. Is everybody like that? No. And to sort of start equating the British Empire to something like the Empire of the Star Wars movies, well, we can be as rude as we like to that because it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. But the British in India were not like the Nazis in Europe or the Japanese in Asia. There are differences. People want to talk about things like the Amritsar massacre. That's a genuine thing. That is a war crime. That is terrible. More than 200 people were executed under the order of the local British governor. They were all unarmed civilians. These things happened. But A, India wasn't a nirvana before the British, and B, India wasn't a nirvana after the British, and C, the British did actually try and run, uh, run India as, as a proper state. Like I say, building railways and things like that, putting in extremely effective administration, really boring but important things like that. Compare it to the Spanish in South, South America who just plundered everything they could get their hands on to hell with the local population. The point is, it's complicated. And to have that complicated conversation is difficult. Social media, everybody wants to scream at each other. And in something like RRR, well, the, the heroes are going to look weird if we're going to start bigging up the bad guys. So look, yes, absolutely, I'll give you it. You know, RRR is problematic in some ways if you want to think about it, but then so's Fast and Furious. Switch off your brain, enjoy the visuals and have fun. But remember, it's not actual history. Look, really hope you enjoyed this more unusual episode. There's all, there's loads more episodes. Check them out. You can talk to me. On, I'm at Jem Deducci on Twitter. Please be kind. I'm trying to be even-handed and balanced here. And don't be cruel to who hard is true. Taking things out of context and slamming it on Twitter could get me cancelled. Please don't let that happen to me. would really appreciate it. There'll be another podcast coming up soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.